Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spending the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God. His two-edged sword of law and gospel recorded for you in Holy Scripture all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I am your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thank you to our generous underwriters on Sharper Iron. The Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Tuesday, November 29th, we are studying the hymn, Once He Came in Blessing. It's number 333 in Lutheran Service Book. This Advent hymn by Johann Horn speaks about three comings of Christ, once in his incarnation, now in his sacrament, and finally on the last day. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us returning guest, the Reverend Dr. Christian Preuss. Pastor Preuss serves at Mount Hope Lutheran Church and School in Casper, Wyoming. He is also the chairman for the Board of Regents for Luther Classical College. Pastor Preuss, welcome back to Sharp Iron. Thank you for having me. Happy Advent. Pastor, happy Advent to you as well. Happy New Year. That's right. That's right. Yes. As we, as we get started this morning, Pastor Preuss, uh, tell us a little bit about Luther Classical College. How are things going uh, for the getting open in 2025, as we hear every morning here on Sharper Iron? That's right. 2025, which comes closer every day. We're very excited. Uh, Luther Classical College is a college by Lutherans for Lutherans, uh, the first of its kind here in America. While the uh, Roman Catholics and uh, Protestants have opened several smaller classical colleges with one degree program, the Lutherans haven't done it yet. So to start a classical conservative uh, college for Lutherans uh, is uh, something that we really need here uh, in the LCMS and uh, in the Lutheran Church in America. Uh, we're going to be able to announce the name of our incoming academic dean. We're really excited about that next year. And we're going to be able to release a curriculum, uh, what uh, we'll actually be teaching at uh, Luther Classical College uh, very soon also. We have uh, already 74 students who have uh, uh, signed up for our pre-admission form and expressed their interest in uh, coming to Luther Classical College. So everything's coming into focus, uh, working with the architects, uh, just very, very excited uh, to see this coming into fruition here in Casper, Wyoming. God be praised for all the wonderful things that are happening there with the founding of Luther Classical College. Pastor Price, we are starting the season of Advent. We started it on Sunday. We are just getting going on this series of Advent hymns. So as we think about this Advent, tell us a little bit about the season of Advent, why it's an important part of the church here and its role in the life of the Christian. Yeah, as you just said, it's a happy new year. This is the beginning of the church year. And we focus the beginning of the church year on what we should be focusing on, and that is Christ and Christ's coming to us. And that's what Advent means, is coming. Uh, maybe a better translation for Advent is his arriving, right? <laughs> he has already come. He's arrived. And uh, once he came in blessing, which we'll be studying today, does a, a perfect job of stressing and teaching and meditating on the three arrivals or comings of Jesus. Uh, and as we prepare for Christmas, 
uh, it is very important for us to consider why Jesus came in the first place and how he still comes. So the first coming is that he comes in the flesh in order to be our brother, uh, to join the human race, to uh, take on our sin, to win for us everlasting life by his perfect obedience to God uh, and by his uh, holy and bitter sufferings and death and his resurrection. And then his coming, is, uh, we call it the second coming in Advent, but it's, uh, it's, his, uh, it's his coming right now to us. Uh, he comes to us now in his word and in his sacraments, in his holy church, uh, as he promised, uh, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And uh, whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And this is my body. This is my blood. And then finally, the third coming, which we normally call the, uh, the second coming, uh, the last coming of the Lord Jesus, is when he comes in uh, when he comes uh, in person on this day to render judgment to the living and the dead, to give to those who trust in him everlasting life, and to send those uh, who have denied him and lived in their evil ways to everlasting fire. So those are the three comings that we have in Advent, and they are very clearly confessed in this hymn. You you said, Pastor Price, that perhaps we should think about it as Christ arriving. Is there what what's the nuance to that English word that you like to talk about? Christ arriving. The fact that he's already here. It's not as if uh, it's not as if we're waiting for him to come. I mean, in the sense that we're waiting for him to come on the last day to see him physically. Uh, where every knee will bow before him, then we could say, you know, he is yet to come, but he has already come. So he's already arrived on this earth um, and, and so is with us. Uh, once he joined the human race uh, in the womb of the Virgin Mary, uh, he is Emmanuel. He is God who is actually with us, who has actually arrived. And so we don't have to think of Jesus up there in heaven, far, far away from us, uh, he is there locally uh, in heaven, uh, but he is also uh, truly arrived. He is actually with us, with his body and his blood and his preaching. And wherever the word of God is there, Jesus actually is with all of his benefits. That's one of the things that I love about the season of Advent is that it's not only, you know, the preparation for Christmas such that we're sort of transporting ourselves back 2000 years, <clears throat> excuse me, to try to pretend like we're with, you know, Mary and Elizabeth and Zachariah. We're not sort of just transporting ourselves back and we're not only looking forward to something that will happen in the future, but there's that very present tense sense of Advent that this is Christ who has come and he arrives with us. He has arrived. He is here with us now, which... I think that's just an important part of Advent for us that we shouldn't lose sight of that. As you, as you said it, you're the second coming of Christ, which is the tense one that he comes right now. That's such a huge comfort to us. And one of the, the parts of, of this season and into Christmas as well, that I've always appreciated this wonder that God himself would come to be our brother. And as the ascended Lord now continues to remain with us as our savior, as our King and as our brother, this is such a wonderful comfort and particularly in a time of year when when many people, their grief is often heightened. Certainly there's a lot of joy at this time of year, but there's also grief that that kind of comes back even more acutely. And to know that Christ is here with me as my brother even now, uh, that has always made Advent a, a season of wonderful comfort for me. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's the most wonderful time of the year, but also statistically, it's the most depressing time of the year. This is when people uh, uh, yeah, get the the most down about life and what they've lost, uh, the people that they've lost. And of course, uh, here in Casper, Wyoming, it's dark and well, it's not dark, but what well, is right now because it's morning, but it's cold. It's, you know, it's snowy. People get depressed. Um, and uh, in the end, all is vanity, except for that uh, God has come in the flesh and redeemed us from sin and corruption. I love what you said about uh, looking back, you know, at uh, you know Mary and her song, and Simeon and his song, and Zechariah and Elizabeth, and uh, Zechariah's song. And of course, we sing these during Advent and during the Christmas season, and we sing uh, Simeon's song uh, every Sunday. Yeah. At least I do. Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. And of course, we mean it just as much as Simeon meant it, who had the little baby in his arms. The little baby had arrived and he saw with his own eyes the Son of God in human flesh. But we, we get what Simeon never got, and that is the body and blood of this Jesus Christ who has died for us and risen from the dead, put into our mouths, and then the word spoken uh, from God's man as from God himself, this is my body which is given for you. And so we can actually sing and mean in the present that we have seen his salvation. It's so beautiful. So speaking of singing, Pastor Price, what's your favorite Advent hymn? So when my when my kids ask me what uh, my favorite anything is, I say daddies don't have favorites, but <laughs> <laughs> because I have a favorite, you know, I have like fifteen favorites. That's uh, right. So that's really tough. <laughs> so let let me answer that question by saying, for the first Sunday in Advent, I would definitely go. say, Oh Lord, how how shall I meet you? Uh, and especially that fourth verse, love caused your incarnation, love brought you down to me, your thirst for my salvation procured my liberty. Oh, love beyond all telling that led to embrace in love, all love excelling in our lost and fallen race. And then when you get to the third and fourth Sundays in Advent, that's when we're focusing on John the Baptist's beautiful preaching. And uh, I think unparalleled is, is the hymn, Comfort, Comfort, Ye My People. Mm -hmm. I pick it as often as I can. But then, then if you're going with, with a, a hymn that just beautifully summarizes, that's easy to memorize, that you can sing at home, and that beautifully summarizes the Advent season, it's actually the hymn we're studying today, Once oh. He Came in Blessing. Just what a beautiful tune, a beautiful melody, and then also just a, a, a fantastic summary of what we celebrate during Advent. Yeah, this, this hymn really does a fantastic job as I was preparing for our conversation, just to see the, the way it's ordered in those three comings of Christ and then finally to pray that Christ would come. It is a, a wonderful summary of the Advent season. And I, I will say that, that I, I too am, am with you on, Oh Lord, how shall I meet you? And even the stanza that you quoted, I if I had a favorite hymn stanza, that's that's right up there. The, the one about yeah. love caused your incarnation. So fantastic. And, and you, dear listener, if you have a favorite Advent hymn, please send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Let us know where you're listening. Let us know what your favorite Advent hymn is and why. So Pastor Price, we get to study Once He Came in Blessing this morning. Any introductory thoughts on the or notes on the text, its history, its author, anything like that before we jump into the stanzas themselves? Yeah, so uh, the fellow who wrote this was a bohemian, and uh, his name was Jan Rowe. 
um, which then gets into German as uh, Johann Horn, uh, and then into Latin as Johann Cornu. So he goes by uh, many names uh, because we had a multilingual uh, society back then. But he uh, was an evangelical preacher, actually became a, a bishop there in, in Bohemia. You can tell just by the text of this uh, hymn that he, he believes in salvation by faith alone. And uh, what is very beautiful is that this, this hymn actually has uh, nine verses in the original German. Um, and uh, what isn't in the LSB and in our English translations, in fact, I, I couldn't find an English translation of the entire hymn, um, at least not uh, on the, uh, readily available on the internet. I'm sure it exists somewhere. But um, the nine verses, what gets kind of left out is um, a, a concentration on our meditation on, 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 on faith. Like, I trust in this Lord Jesus. I'm not going to leave him because he hasn't left me. I'm going to stick with him, and he's going to stick with me through all of my woes. And so it really concentrates you in, the, in a couple of the missing verses on the struggles of the Christian life and how Jesus is there through it all. And as he's been faithful to us, we're going to live our life also for him. And then the next thing that gets uh, uh, lost in translation, literally, is um, a concentration on the resurrection. In one of the hmm. verses, there's just this uh, preaching that Jesus is going to come and all will rise with their bodies and we will bow before his feet. A clear reference to Philippians chapter 2, that every knee will bow. And then finally, and this is what you can expect in uh, in our modern translations, we do like to soften it because we, we don't like to talk about hell, right? Uh, no one likes to talk about hell except for Jesus does uh, all the time in the Gospels. And in uh, the 16th century with a guy like uh, uh, Johann Horn, uh, he he didn't hesitate. And so in one of the verses, uh, the second to last verse, actually the eighth verse of this hymn in the original, uh, most of it is is uh, saying that when Jesus comes, it won't just be happy for the believers, but also his enemies and the evil ones uh, will be thrown uh, into hell where they will pay for their sin. And then finally, it ends with uh, the fourth verse as we know it, which is obviously a, a beautiful prayer to Jesus to say, come, come, Lord Jesus, which is how the Bible ends, by the way. Uh, Revelation, surely I am coming quickly, Jesus says, and we respond and say, amen, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. You know, you mentioned in some of the stanzas that didn't get put into the Lutheran service book that Philippians 2 gets referenced. I think there's there's a reference to Philippians 2 in the stanzas that we have here in Lutheran service book. And, and what you said about the the text that he uh, Johann Horn wrote concerning having that mention of hell and judgment, that does show up in other Advent hymns, including the one, you know, Oh Lord, how shall I meet you? It's not a focus by any means. Mm -hmm. But talking about Christ coming as a terror to his foes and the, the hymn, Lo, he comes with clouds descending, speaks of those who will see Christ as, you know, they were his enemies and they will wail when they see him. So it's not missing from our Advent hymnody, but perhaps not as much on our minds today as it was for our fathers in the faith. And so a helpful reminder, and we will see that in some Advent hymnody. So we're looking at the hymn, Once He Came in Blessing this morning. Again, it's number 333 in Lutheran Service Book, and this is the first stanza. Once he came in blessing, all our sins redressing, 
came in likeness lowly, Son of God most holy, bore the cross to save us, hope and freedom gave us. That's stanza one of the hymn, Oh, Once He Came in Blessing. It's hard to, to just read it without thinking through all of those moving notes on several of the syllables. I'm, I'm kind of singing in my head, and it sounds shorter <laughs> when you read the text without singing it. That's the, the wonder of setting, setting text to music. So let, let's talk about this uh, stanza, Pastor Preuss. Just in general, what is, what is this stanza teaching us? This stanza is teaching us in uh, uh, very succinctly, very concisely, the uh, entire benefit of Christ as far as what he has done in coming uh, in, uh, on this earth. First, his incarnation, but not only his incarnation, that is his taking on uh, human flesh, but also what we call his uh, humiliation. So he doesn't just come and become a man because uh, he could have become a glorious man, right? Uh, and, 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 and shown himself in all his glory as he did at the Mount of Transfiguration or after his resurrection. Uh, and as he uh, shows himself now in heaven, but instead he comes uh, lowly, um, came in likeness lowly, even though he is the son of God, most holy. And uh, this is where uh, you have the, the reference to Philippians chapter two, absolutely where uh, uh, St. Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the, in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So this is where we get this language of his lowliness. Um, but also it's what you see when you read the gospel accounts, especially in uh, St. Luke's gospel, that uh, Jesus is wrapped in swaddling clothes, right? And, and laid in a manger. Um, and uh, as, we, as we sing in the Chris, Christmas hymn, right? Uh, that he, he's not given even a crib for a bed. Uh, so he comes not only in human flesh and blood to be our brother according to our nature, but also to share in our misery, to take upon himself uh, the corruption of sin and to bear it for us. Uh, and yet he remains God most high, always. Um, and this God who has become a man and uh, lowered himself, humiliated himself uh, to bear our sins also has the power to take those uh, our sins away. And that's what it means, all our sins redressing. Redressing means paying for. He has paid for all of our sins. That is the blessing that he gives to us. And he does this both by his life for us and the fulfillment of the law that is loving God with all of his heart as himself, but also, uh, which he does, by the way, also in his death, because when he dies, he does it in love for us and in love for God. He's fulfilling the law all the way through so beautifully, but also by bearing our punishment on the cross. So bore the cross to save us. And this then gives us an objective hope and an objective freedom that he actually has destroyed 
death, by his death, he actually has borne all sin. They were on him, which means they're not on us. This is what uh, the scholars call objective justification or universal atonement. Jesus has taken away the sins of all. Pastor Price, talk more about those two words there at the end, the hope and the freedom that Christ gave us. Both of those words, hope and freedom, are, are words that we use often, but sometimes we don't use them maybe in the way that the scriptures use them. What is it, what is Christian hope? What is Christian freedom? Yeah, that's a great question, because hope often we just think of hope as uh, an expectation that might or might not happen. Like, I hope the Packers make it to the Super Bowl, which, of course, I'm not hoping right now. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, the the hope uh, that uh, Scripture talks about in in Jesus is an expectation that is already sure, right? It's a hope that does not disappoint. Uh, so the the hope that is spoken of, for instance, in Romans chapter eight, is that there is nothing that can divide us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing, not life, not death because uh, it's already been secured in the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and sealed to us by our baptism and by the giving of the Holy Spirit to us who confirms in our hearts that we are children of God by, by presenting Jesus to us and especially by giving us his body and his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. So this is a sure hope of everlasting life and that we are even now sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, that God is our father and that we have an eternal life that starts now living as his children. And the freedom that he gives us is a freedom from sin. And this happens in two ways. One is that we're free from the guilt of sin. Whatever we have done that we have done wrong has been removed from us. We've confessed our sins, even the sins that we don't even know of because who can know all his faults? And as the psalmist said, uh, says, cleanse me from secret faults. We know that they've all been paid for. And so we have a freedom of conscience, knowing that God has removed these sins from us as far as the East is from the West, that he's buried them in the depths of the blood of Jesus. But we also have a freedom uh, to live as Christians. We have a freedom from being bound to our own sinful passions. So it is slavery to belong to sin. It's slavery to belong to the devil and to serve our sinful passions. So the person who lives, for example, for money, mammon as Jesus calls it, and who serves it day and night, does everything uh, for the sake of money, is bound to that money, belongs to it. The person who lives for uh, his lustful desires, right, so for, uh, for mm. pornography or for sex or whatever, is uh, bound to that. And anybody who has fallen into any sin knows what it what it, what, it, what it means and feels like to be bound by these sins, that they're gripping you and they're bringing you under with them. And it's a horrible slavery. But what Jesus has done is he's freed us by his spirit to live for him. And this is done imperfectly in this life. However, we're not bound, uh, we're not bound uh, as Christians uh, by sin, as in like them ruling our lives. We actually do live as Christians uh, for our Lord Jesus Christ. We do so imperfectly, but our end goal is to 
be and to live as Christians by the forgiveness of our sins, to serve our God, to keep his commandments, never to purposefully sin because we are not bound to sin. We've been freed from it and we've been freed to live for our Lord. True hope, true Christian freedom. This is what Christ has given to us because he came once in blessing. He came as a lowly human being, our own brother, yet fully God, the Son of God most holy, has borne the cross to save us, to give us this hope and freedom, which is described in the first stanza of Once He Came in Blessing. We will pick up the rest of the hymn on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFUO. We're talking with Pastor Christian Preuss this morning. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love. What do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? Imagine a college that is affordable. A college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran. A college that won't take a dime of federal funding. A college that teaches the best of our Western heritage. A college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. This is Luther Classical College. A college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org. Subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Tuesday, November 29th. We are studying the hymn, Once He Came in Blessing, number 333 in Lutheran Service Book. Our guest this morning is the Reverend Dr. Christian Preuss. He is pastor at Mount Hope Lutheran Church and School in Casper, Wyoming, and also the chairman for the Board of Regents for Luther Classical College. Pastor Preuss, prior to the break, we looked at stanza one. We now turn to stanza two. Now he gently leads us. With himself he feeds us precious food from heaven, pledge of peace here given manna that will nourish souls that they may flourish that stands a two of the hymn once he came in blessing from Lutheran service book so pastor Preuss, the first stanza starts once he came in blessing so the first time and now this stanza starts now he gently leads us i notice the way he came once in blessing now he is coming is a gentle leading and i think this entire stanza is teaching us about the the lord's supper so Take us into the, the wonderful teaching that is in this stanza. Yeah. Um, yeah, so now uh, he gently leads us, uh, that, that is, he uh, arrives to us now uh, through the word and through the sacraments. And you're right, the, the, the big focus here is on the Lord's Supper. Uh, beautifully, this verse does just an excellent job of summing up three verses uh, of the original German, mm. um, which... Uh, in one verse talks about how he teaches us that's the leading he gently leads us mm -hmm. um so he, he teaches us and guides us away from error and uh, temptation and turns us to the truth and then the second is that we're not ashamed to as the german says receive his service mm -hmm. which is just so beautiful we're not ashamed of him 
and we want to receive his service. That is, he's coming to serve us. That's the Gottes Dienst, uh, the divine service. And then uh, the next one talks uh, very explicitly about him coming in the sacrament, that is, with his body uh, and his blood. So with himself, he feeds us precious food from heaven, pledge of peace here given. Now you can think, of course, of uh, John chapter 6 here, where Jesus calls himself the bread of life that has come from heaven and says that he comes to feed uh, uh, those who believe in him. And uh, that is where you have a, a very clear reference in John 6 uh, to the manna from heaven. You remember that this happened in John 6 after Jesus had fed uh, the 5,000. And then Jesus goes away and they chase after him and they want more bread. And Jesus tells this to them. He said, he says, surely you have come to me not because you have seen the sign, but rather because you, you want more bread to fill your, uh, to fill your bellies. And he says, what you should be thirsting after is the bread that comes from heaven. And the bread that I give you after that, you won't be hungry. And what Jesus is talking about there is the forgiveness of their sins, his word which delivers them from, uh, from all sin, and most specifically, his body and his blood, which he will give for the life of the world, and which, when we take uh, uh, by faith in, uh, in the Lord's Supper, uh, when we believe, uh, of course, it is his body and blood before we believe, but uh, gives us the forgiveness of our sins. So uh, this is the pledge of peace that uh, God gives us, that since he has given us the very body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, he will never leave us or forsake us. In fact, Jesus says that when uh, the people of Israel ate manna in the wilderness, they still died, right? <laughs> but those who eat and drink of the flesh and blood of, our, of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in true faith, they will never die, uh, and they will rise to everlasting life. In heaven, uh, and this then uh, th this then focuses on finally the flourishing of our souls and the happiness that belongs to uh, Christians. Um, this uh, this is the the greatest happiness that we could possibly have. Not in getting a whole bunch of presents, not in all sorts of uh, you know wonderful meals and so forth in the holiday season. Not what um, you know, well, it's Giving Tuesday. Yesterday was yesterday was Cyber Monday, Cyber Monday. Yeah. and then Friday was Black Friday. It's all about buying and getting things and so forth. Well, none of that gives any true peace, and it doesn't give the flourishing of the soul. What gives us real flourishing of the soul and why we should rise from that altar after we've taken the body and blood of Jesus with a smile on our face, happy, uh, <laughs> is that God has joined us to himself. And has given us uh, the pledge of peace uh, that will not fade away. I, I was going to ask you about that, Pastor Preuss, if it was okay, in fact, for Lutherans to smile when they receive the Lord's Supper. <laughs> yes. So I'm, I'm glad, they, they to, also... glad to have that permission. <laughs> yeah, they can smile. Yeah, and, and actually be happy Lutherans 
Um, I know we're all like a bunch of Germans and Norwegians. And so uh, by nature, we like to frown, uh, but we can smile more uh, because uh, Jesus has really, uh, really released us from death and has actually forgiven us our sins and actually joins uh, himself to us. And Advent is not just a, um, a time of repentance. It's also, it's also a time of great joy, seeing that our Lord Jesus Christ does come to us, has actually arrived with us. That, that's right. I mean, and I, I, know, I know we Lutherans tend to be, to be very good at being reverent about the holy things of God, and rightly so, but we shouldn't ever let that uh, keep us from the joy of the holy things of God, that this is, as the hymn says, this is Christ himself feeding us with his own body and his blood. And this is food from heaven, a pledge of peace from God, all of these, these joyful things. And so I, I, I'm really glad you, you took it that way, that the, the soul's flourishing is flourishing in, in happiness and in joy, because it, I mean, certainly flourishing toward eternal life. This is the, the pledge of peace that we receive, that because we have partaken of Christ's flesh and blood, we know that we will, in fact, live forever. But the, the joy that comes with that is is definitely something during you know this often somber season that we don't want to to forget and and that does remind me that there is that that rose colored or pink colored candle you can you can correct me off if uh, if it needs to be rose but uh <laughs> that that is the sunday of joy and and certainly that joy uh, pervades the whole season of advent particularly on that sunday but the fact that christ has arrived that he has come this is a joyful thing for us and particularly as we receive his sacrament yeah, that Sunday is is named Gaudete, which means uh, rejoice, be happy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, what you just said that, you know, obviously we're looking forward to joy in heaven, but that, that the foretaste of that joy is already with us and Christ is already with us. The uh, mm -hmm. true happiness on this earth is to be Christ's uh, and there's no happiness like it. And so Christians should live that way. Obviously, we're going. God is going to give us our happy times as well as our sad times. Uh, he's going to give us trials. He's promised to give us uh, crosses. And uh, when we confess the truth of his word, we're actually going to be persecuted. But you can actually be happy <laughs> and joyful in all of that because uh, your greatest treasure uh, is our Lord Jesus Christ. And the hymns really get us to confess this and therefore... Um, uh, you know, feel it and, and mean it from the heart. I point out also that in, in the German, you've got uh, in the fifth verse, the actual mention of joy. This just gives us mm -hmm. great joy that we have the body and blood of Jesus and we're going to live our lives like it. And then the same exact word is used uh, when he gets to the, uh, to the end time, when we see the Lord Jesus, uh, that he's going to give us and lead us to all joy. Um, and that's, that's a beautiful thing to realize. I like to say this uh, to my members that we've already begun to live eternal life, yeah. right? Eternal life is not something in the yeah. future. We have it right now and we're going to live forever with Jesus and we're living right now with him really and truly. Uh, it's just going to be even greater and we're going to see it with our eyes, uh, and feel it with all of our emotions and have no sinful flesh to worry about uh, when the Lord Jesus comes. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's right. Eternal life is ours right now. John chapter 5, where Jesus says that the hour is coming and it's it's here right now when the dead hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. That, yeah. that in faith, having heard the word of God, we are alive right now and that life will not end. We will be raised from the dead on that day when Christ returns and we will have the fullness of it. But yes, we are we are in eternal life right now through faith in Christ and the sacrament of the altar. This is Christ feeding us, nourishing us 
for that eternal life, the eternal life that he has given us even now. So we've got the first two comings of Christ. Once he came in blessing, now he comes gently leading us by his word, feeding us with himself. And then stanza three takes us to the the third coming of Advent or the second coming. Sometimes we, we call it that. Jesus' final coming on the last day. This is stanza three of the hymn. Soon will come that hour when with mighty power Christ will come in splendor and will judgment render with the faithful sharing joy beyond comparing. That is stanza three of the hymn, Once He Came in Blessing from Lutheran Service Book. So, Pastor Price, soon will come that hour. That that first phrase of this stanza brings my mind to, I suppose, it's, I think of Matthew 24, but it may be in the other synoptic gospels where Jesus says, concerning that day and that hour, no one knows when, and yet it's soon, both according to Jesus and according to the hymn. So let's let's talk about the this last coming of our Lord that's mentioned in stanza three. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's very, it's very clear throughout, not, not just, uh, the gospels, but you have it in revelation, you have it in, uh, all the epistles is that Jesus is coming soon. Now, um, uh, a thousand years is as a day in his sight. Uh, we, we know that, but really what we have to realize is that Jesus having come into the flesh was the final great act of God. It's what everything in history pointed to he created the world the world fell into sin he destroyed the world in the flood and saved uh, righteous Noah and his family and everything every prophecy all the temple worship uh all the uh um the kings everything uh pointed to the coming of the son of god in the flesh and then he came the kingdom of god came it arrived and so the fact that jesus will come again has to be soon because we are in the end times we are in that final stage of this earth's existence um, because jesus has come he has lived he has died he has risen again and the only thing to look forward to now is his coming so he consistently says i am coming soon i'm coming quickly even though we don't know the day or the hour um but uh, he's also going to come with a, a mighty power in, in splendor and uh will then render judgment on uh the living and the dead uh what's beautiful i love about this verse is that this judgment um we normally think of that in a in a negative uh in a negative way don't we we think of uh judgment as like you know, I don't want judgment. Don't judge me and so forth. But we're actually we're actually looking forward to Jesus' judgment because we know what he's going to say. And this is in this is Matthew uh, 25, right? He says to the sheep on his right, uh, you know, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom that has been been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Right. That's the judgment that he's going to render uh, on us. Uh, and so once again, this joyful expectation, instead of this uh, sort of uh, um, dread of the last day, oh, no, I'm going to lose all my stuff. Oh, no, I'm going to have to see Jesus. No, no, no. I can't wait to see Jesus. I can't wait for him to render judgment because I know his judgment is going to be one of mercy toward me because I know the Lord Jesus. He's, he's died for me. He's my brother. He's forgiven me all my sins. He's fed me with his own body and blood. He's proclaimed to me the forgiveness of my sins every day of my life, and especially every Sunday. I've been baptized into his name. 
right? He loves me. Uh, he loves me more than life itself. And so uh, we're looking forward to the judgment that he gives. And that, that is also looking forward to a joy to be with him, right? And to know him as he really is and to be like him, as St. John says, because we see him as he really is. Um, and that joy that we look forward to, as we just said, is also the joy that animates our life right now in expectation of his coming. Yeah, you, you mentioned the what the Lord says in Matthew 25 and the judgment between the sheep and the goats. The the note about joy beyond comparing there at the end made my mind go to the text right before that in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, as it, it is sometimes called, where where the master says to the first two servants, enter into the joy of your master. That's That's what he invites these two faithful servants into is his own joy. And this is what Jesus has come to give his, his joy, that their joy may be complete. As he says in, in John's gospel, again, to be with Jesus is to, is to be in complete and utter joy. And that joy is beyond all comparing as, as you were saying, you know, joy beyond even the most joyful things of this life and God be praised for all of the joy that he does give us in these temporal blessings that we have, but the joy that we will have in the judgment, in the resurrection with Christ, that joy is even greater beyond comparing to any joy that we have right now. And, and I really appreciate what you said about judgment and the way that it's it's phrased in this stanza, that it is set something that we are looking forward to, which is different than the way we normally hear that word. But for us as Christians, we can hear that word in that way because of what we already came through in the first two stanzas, Christ has come in blessing in his incarnation. He bore our sins to save us and he's gently leading us now. And he's feeding us with himself in the Lord's supper. And because we've, we've known him by faith in those first two comings, then we're looking forward to that coming that is on the last day. And that judgment is not a, a frightening thing for us, but we know the verdict that he's already pronounced upon us now that he will make public on the last day. And so judgment for us does become a joyful thing, something that we are longing for and looking for and expecting because we know that Christ will on that day welcome us into his uncomparable joy. Yeah, it makes me think of the last verse of Lord the I with all my heart mm. and then from death awaken me that these mine eyes with joy may see, O Son of God, thy glorious face, my Savior and my fount of grace, right? That, that is our great expectation is what we can't wait for is what we live our lives for. Mm, that's right. That's right. Talk a, li a little bit about the, the contrast between the coming that we see of Christ in this third stanza and the, the first two. He, he came in blessing and in likeness lowly in stanza one. He gently leads us in stanza two, but now in stanza three, he's coming with mighty power, with splendor to render judgment. Talk about that, that contrast between those, those first two comings of Christ and then what we will see on the last day. Yeah, it reminds us of the the Wesley hymn that you mentioned earlier, uh, that you know, deeply wailing, deeply wailing, uh, they shall see their true Messiah, right? Uh, <laughs> that is, you're going to see Jesus as he really is here, um, not humiliated, not uh, not um, not lowly, but uh, as as he truly is, a, uh, the Son of God who has taken. Um, uh, our human flesh uh, into his own person so that uh, all of the, the gifts of the divine nature have permeated that human nature also. So 
Um, this is as he was seen. Uh, he's given, he gives a glimpse of this to Peter and James and John at the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, that this is by virtue of his incarnation. Um, this uh, this is the God Man who is 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 truly glorious, powerful, has all power in heaven and on earth. It's just he didn't show it. He didn't show it in. Uh, uh, in, in his humiliation when he lived on this earth. Uh, instead, he used all of his power to humble himself and to bear our sins uh, because that's what his love demanded. Um, but mm. the savior that we will see is the crucified savior, is the lamb who was slain, but and who still bears the mark uh, of his passion for us, which is beautiful, but is also the glorious savior, the savior um, who, since he has already borne sin and already conquered death, uh, triumphs over all enemies and everyone will be able to see it. And this, again, gets us back to uh, Philippians chapter 2, which, uh, as we said before, is used heavily in this, uh, in this hymn. Uh, and that is that every knee is going to bow. He's going to come with all power. If I can finish reading what I read before, after it talks about his humiliation, then it talks about his exaltation. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, and that is the Jesus that we will see, uh, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, uh, the almighty God in human flesh, and we'll see it with our own eyes uh, on that last day. And that is what we are looking forward to. I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. And then that is where the final stanza of them takes us, as is so often true in, in hymns. The, the first stanzas of this hymn speak about Christ. We confess who he is, what he has done and will do. And now in the fourth stanza, we pray to him. We turn to him in prayer. So this is stanza four. Come then, O Lord Jesus, from our sins release us. Keep our hearts believing that we, grace receiving, ever may confess you till in heaven we bless you. That is stanza four of the hymn, Once He Came in Blessing, number 333 in Lutheran Service Book. So again, Pastor Price, we, we turn from confessing Christ to now praying to Christ. And, and it makes perfect sense during the season of Advent and after what we've sung so far in this hymn, we pray, come Lord Jesus. We join in that prayer from the book of Revelation. Help us into this last stanza. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful way. After you've confessed, then you pray, right? Um, so we've confessed that he came, that he uh, comes to us still, uh, and that he will come. And then we pray to him according to his word. Uh, this is what prayer does. It hears God talk, promise, um, and teach, and then it prays according to that word. You promised me this, that you have come for me, that you have laid down your life for me in Jesus Christ, my Savior, that you come to me now and have made me a child of God, that you give me now your body and blood. Uh, and that you will come again to save me from all evil of body and soul and give me everlasting life with you. Uh, you've said all of this, and therefore my prayer conf conforms itself to your words. Since you've said it, uh, therefore my prayer will rely on it. Um, because this is what, I mean, this is what amen is. Amen, yes, yes, it shall be so. Because you have commanded us to pray in this way and have promised to hear us. 
So we pray, come then, O Lord Jesus. And what's beautiful here, too, is that <clears throat> there is some ambiguity here. Are we talking about him coming on the last day? here when we say come then O lord jesus or are we talking about him coming right now and the answer is yes that is coming right now to us through his word and his sacraments to release us from all sin and coming on the last day to release us finally from every evil of body and soul are not to be dissociated they're not to be separated it's precisely because he comes right now and we pray come lord jesus right now thy kingdom come to us right now that we will receive uh his coming on the last day with such joy uh, i love too the um the piety of this hymn keep our hearts believing because we do have, we do have uh, many challenges and temptations in this world. The devil is constantly trying to tear us away from Jesus. Um, and the world is simply against us. We have an anti-culture all around us that's pro-death and um, pro all sorts of vices and sins that would tear us away from our Lord Jesus Christ and the great joy that he gives us. And so we pray to him, keep our hearts believing Thy kingdom come among us now, right? We, this, is, this is what we desire above all else is to remain Christians, keep us faithful Christians, uh, that we grace receiving ever may confess you till in heaven we bless you. So give us this endurance. Um, and the confession here is also that we're not going to be able to do this by our own power. We're not going to be able to pick ourselves up uh, uh, by our bootstraps, right? We're constantly, even though we are, as Philippians tells us, uh, as St. Paul tells us in Philippians, we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. It is God who works in us. It is God who works in us. And uh, this is the grace that we confess here, that we grace receiving from God to do this. Yeah. that then we may confess him, then our hearts will stay believing. And we receive that grace again uh, through his word and through his sacraments and through the power of the Holy Spirit who engenders faith in us. Mm, yeah, and, and then all of that is leading us to the moment in expectation of blessing the Lord Jesus in heaven. It's, it's quite something that you know once he came in blessing, he came to bless us. And now by the end of the hymn, we are looking forward to blessing him in heaven. That's sometimes, you know, we speak that way. The scriptures speak that way. We bless God. What does that mean? How does it come up here at the end of the hymn? Yeah. Blessing God is uh, to confess uh, the truth of what God has done. Um, it's uh, the same thing as saying, hallowed be thy name. Well, how is his name holy? His name is holy when his uh, word is taught in its truth and purity, and we as the children of God also lead holy lives according to it. Um, that is, when we confess God's word, both in our words and in our life, uh, we are blessing this God. We're blessing his name. We're showing that he is the great God who he is. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says that we are the light of the world. He calls himself the light of the world, but then he says that we are the light of the world uh, and the city set on a hill cannot be hidden and that we are um, salt, the salt of the earth and salt and light. Because as Christians, as bearers of God's name, uh, we also uh, confess what God has done to the world and to 
one another and live in uh, our lives as his children. And this then uh, gives the glory to God. And so this is going to be our great joy in heaven, as it is our great joy now. Um, soli Deo Gloria, all glory to God alone. Um, and in, 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 on earth, we do that uh, imperfectly. In heaven, we're going to do it absolutely perfectly so that the joy that we have now in blessing God's name through our confession and through our life will be multiplied um, exponentially uh, in heaven uh, in the joy that is absolutely perfect in living and confessing God's name. Yeah, and so we pray that the Lord would keep us faithful to that day, that we may join him in his joy forever, in the joy of confessing who he is, of blessing him in heaven forever. The Reverend Dr. Christian Preuss is pastor at Mount Hope Lutheran Church and School in Casper, Wyoming. He also serves as the chairman for the Board of Regents for Luther Classical College, helping us this morning to look at the hymn, Once He Came in Blessing, number 333 in Lutheran Service Book. Pastor Preuss, thanks for being our guest today. Thank you. Happy Advent, everyone. Happy Advent, indeed, for Christ has come. He came the first time in blessing to bear our sins and to be our Savior. He comes now in his body and his blood, given and shed for us in the sacrament of the altar to lead us unto eternal life, for he is coming again on the last day to render judgment our great joy, to hear the verdict spoken, and to be welcomed into the joy of eternal life. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thank you for spending the morning with us. Please send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org to let us know your favorite Advent hymn. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for spending the time with us. Talk to you again tomorrow. <laughs>